0: Introducing touch free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll
1: take two tomatoes and a
0: poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch
2: free payments for your business is easy touch free QR code payments. No seller fees until 2021, not applicable to PayPal here transactions. Other fees may apply. Shop safe with PayPal.
0: welcome to so what's the problem in which we rewatch movies from our youth and see how problematic they may be by today's standards
1: i'm jen and i'm jimmy today we'll be talking about emo's fire which was released in the us on june 28th 1985 in the uk on the 1st of november 1985 and in on ireland on the 24th of january 1986 it was written by Joel Schumacher and Carl Carlander, and directed by Schumacher. Carl Carlander, by the way, went on to write episodes of Saved by the Bell, the new class. Nice.
0: Jimmy and I have thought of problems this movie has. Three each and no more because it, we, we could take forever with <laughs> this movie. And we'll take turns saying them and have a general discussion on the movie. We'll also have one positive to say about it. So do you have any history with this movie?
1: You picked this movie, Jen. Um, so I'd just like to say thank you I hate it right Um, (laughs) (laughs) well I did see this movie in the the late 80s it must have been I think I recorded it off TV and um, so it would have been the edited version probably on BBC Mm -hmm. one so it would have been edited back in the late 80s and I remember liking it I remember liking the characters and not thinking the characters were horrible hideous human beings but I did see it a few times. And I think I watched it again a couple of times in the, when I had it. And I think I had it in DVD, back in the early days of DVD. But watching it this time, holy crap. <laughs> it's just so... Oh, okay, we'll get it. Right. <laughs> what about you? What's your history?
0: My teens, late teens, early 20s are a blur. So I may have watched it in high school or it may have been a couple of years after that. I don't know. I worked at a video store. I rented a lot. So I, re- I don't remember it having a massive impact on me the first time I saw it, but I do remember really liking it. And I've watched it many times over the years. I have cited it as my favorite Brat Pack movie because John Hughes, as much as I love him, tends to be a little too uh, hokey and positive.
3: <laughs> right.
0: um, and I've, I've always loved it. Uh, my first problem when we get to it, it has been a problem I've had from the beginning. Right. Um but I've always loved it and I'm I'm wondering so how old were you when you liked it?
1: Well, I probably would have been about 12, uh, 13 maybe. Um when okay. I didn't know any better. <laughs> um but I used to I mean I would watch it. I would also record um the Breakfast Club um on BBC1 probably 13 maybe. I
0: I have a theory about this movie. Because I mean, I, you know, and I still enjoy it, but everyone is trash and it's not a good movie. Right. My theory is that when you watch it, when you are younger, like when you're in your teens or even early 20s, that like, I know I watched it and I'm kind of romanticizing what it's like to be that age.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And even though everything's so dramatic, it's like they're grownups and they have jobs and they're making their way in the world Mm. and they're figuring it out and they have this group of friends that they love so much that they've been friends with for years and i i wanted that (laughs) which watching it now seems ridiculous when you're younger like it seems very attractive Mm -hmm. and i think that that might be why we liked it so much more
1: (laughs) possibly (laughs) when we
0: were younger um because you don't you don't know better and when you're a teen everything's dramatic anyway right? Yeah. Like, kids are just re- dramatic.
1: Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, freely admit, I was a fucking idiot back then, so <laughs> that's why I liked garbage like this back then. Um, yeah, you said, you know, they're, they're friends and they've known each other for, for years and everything, but they don't seem to like each other a lot of the time.
0: Well, I have a, I have a lot to say about, about this.
1: Right, um, so, we'll just get into your first problem then, that you've had for a while, for years now. <laughs>
0: anything and everything having to do with Kirby second problem <laughs> like I, I wrote it down before like you know I sit down with my coffee and I start the movie but before I start you know I have my notebook mm-hmm. at the top of the page I write, write the name of the movie and on the side I write the numbers 1, 2, and 3 so I can write my problems and before I press play I wrote Kirby down as the first problem <laughs> I didn't even wait to start the movie. because. And look, I love Emilio Estevez. Mm-hmm. I watched The Mighty Ducks yesterday, and that is a damn fine film. <laughs> um, it's awful. It's always been awful. I've always felt he was a stalker. It got worse this time because I know more, and I was paying more attention.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, first of all, sweet Andy McDowell. I know. She was a model, and she credits this movie with changing her entire life, and I'm happy for her. I've seen her in things where I like her. She's not great. No. I'm not going to say she's terrible. She's really, she's there and she's saying her lines.
1: Yes. She's saying her lines. She's not acting. She's saying her lines.
0: He's stalking her. Like, it's not even, like, something, stalking disguised as something else. Like, at one point, he doesn't he, like, flat out say, well, he says he's obsessed. Yeah. Like, he's, it's so crazy. It And what really drives me crazy about it is that, the first scene, they're in the hospital, and he sees her. He sees Dale. And that's this whole storyline. We don't know anything about this guy besides the the fact that he's obsessed with Dale. Like, I'm actually really curious. What's this guy like when he's not obsessed with Dale? hmm Like, they don't give us anything else. And I, I have a couple of huge problems within this problem. hmm One, he shows up to that problem. <laughs> keep saying the word problem. He shows up to that party stalking her, and she, invite- she invites him into her apartment don't invite your soccer into your apartment. And she's, she's so sweet. She's trying to explain to her why he shouldn't explain to him, why he shouldn't like her. And my, I, I think my favorite part of the movie is her roommate coming in and she says, you know, this is my roommate. She hates me. And her roommate's like, yeah, I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only good thing about this storyline. And then later when he's going to look for her, because he's thrown this party just for her. And mm-hmm. um, He's trying to get the roommate to tell him where she is. Mm-hmm. And he says to her, she was like, Why should I tell you? And he says, I'm not responsible for what I'll do to you if you don't. Yeah, he threatens her. He threatens the roommate's like It's horrible. And is this supposed to be like charming? I don't understand. Because I don't think I I have not seen any indication in this movie or from the things I've read about this movie that we are supposed to think this guy is like supposed to think he's scary and horrible and pathetic and have mental problems Mm -hmm. like but that's what it is and when he leaves the cabin after stalking her all the way there he kisses her without her consent yeah and and that's a triumphant moment for him that i think we're supposed to have rooted for
1: yeah i've written all of this down yeah
0: oh but i just realized something Mm -hmm. it literally just occurred to me so he's a lawyer what if he then goes on to become a lawyer Who's a real asshole, and he gets a DUI, and his punishment has to coach a hockey team.
1: I'd like to think Coach Bombay <laughs> is not a horrible, creepy stalker man. No, <laughs> that's not fair. I don't think.
0: <laughs> but but it's a fun idea.
1: It is. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that was my second problem. I mean, I, I mean, she's far too polite. She's far too nice to. Him. But yeah, he's, he's awful. I mean, he throws a party for her that she has zero reason to attend. And mm-hmm. then, um, he like goes crazy when she doesn't turn up and shouts and balls on the phone and then goes to her apartment and shouts and threatens her roommate and then demands where she is and then drives to the chalet with her skiing and then, you know, demands to be let in and see her. And it's like, you, you don't, you don't own her, but. Yeah, I think it's played as though it's supposed to be romantic, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be quirky and um, and when he kisses her, when he forces that kiss on her at the end, and the music swells, and he's driving away, and he's you know, fist is pumping in the air, and yeah, and the music's like, yeah. yeah, he did it, yeah, he did what, mm. you know, he assaulted someone, whoopie fucking do, it's like, uh, yeah, but the thing it- is though, when I watched yeah. this the first time when I was about thirteen, Jen. I didn't see all this. I didn't see that this was all wrong and creepy and um, stalkery. I didn't see that. I actually probably did think it was romantic at the time. But then as well, I got older, I thought about it and thought about it and then that's why I was happy to do this film so I could run yeah. about how much a fucking <laughs> arsehole Kirby is and he deserves to be locked up.
0: Well, and the thing is, is that um, this movie, you know, I've talked before about certain things contributing to like rape culture and stuff, which <laughs> there is another moment in this movie that I think does. Yeah. Um, but it's like just general treatment of women by men. I, movies like this really contribute to that. Like mm-hmm. to, to make somebody like that seems like the guy that you should want to get the girl because I think the reason I never thought it was romantic Um, even when I was younger and knew a lot less is that like not all the guys were going after me in high school, but I remember getting to ninth grade and all of a sudden guys were showing interest Mm -hmm. and that should have been a nice thing for me. That should have been something I enjoyed because in middle school that didn't really happen.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: But most of them were very creepy and they didn't understand they were creepy. Mm -hmm. Like I remember this guy and his brother just calling me over and over and over one afternoon. And every time I hung up on them, they called again and that thing in Buffy where, you know, they tell Giles, like, a, a teenage girl doesn't just take her phone off the hook. <laughs> like, you have to have your, like, I, you know, I wanted to be able to talk to my friends because that's what I did in the afternoon. And I, if I left the phone on like, you know, if I didn't put it off the hook or anything, these guys just kept calling. Mm-hmm. And it made me feel so helpless. And I was so concerned they would find out where I lived. And it There were just things like that that sound harmless, but, like, they really, they make you feel trapped. And watching this movie, I'm just like, this contributes to it. Like, people think that, I mean, romantic comedies in general, like, so often it's a guy pursuing a woman and not giving up. And that's supposed to be, you know, the lesson we learn is, like, if you want something, go for it.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And it's like, no, women have to move sometimes because of this shit. God, it just pisses me off so much and i i hate how nice she is to him. Mm-hmm. It it drives me crazy. I like why is no one in this guy's life being like you're nuts.
1: Yeah, it can't this can't be the first time he's acted like this. This just doesn't happen out of the blue. Yeah. To be fair though, his friends have got a lot more to deal with <laughs> than his true. shit.
0: <laughs> That's true. And i but i will say this. So her roommate hates her. She mm-hmm. will openly admit that she hates her. But women stick together because this woman hates her, but she refuses to tell to sell her out
3: mm-hmm.
0: until she is threatened. Mm-hmm. Which, at that point, maybe call the cops and send them to the cabin. But, mm-hmm. like, I, good for her roommate, who hates her, for holding out as long as she does.
1: Yeah, you can absolutely tell that this was written by two men. Well, but one of them's gay. That like, doesn't make any difference, Jen. <laughs> I know,
0: I know, I know, but you'd hope, you'd hope, <laughs> like it's it's something about the fact that like you know usually these things are written by you know stereotypically they're written by straight white men mm-hmm. and you hope that one little change might make a difference but and the thing is the other guy I forgot his name already the other guy who wrote this this is supposedly based on an experience he had when he was younger so I'm like did he stalk someone I want to know more details about
1: that yeah you wouldn't really know that this is written by a gay man yeah because of the lack of gay people in it. And then when someone you think, or they, his friends think Kevin is gay because he doesn't meet their criteria of how someone should live, that's just sort of thrown away to the side. It's like, no, it's all right. It's fine. He's not gay. He just, you know, he's in love with this woman who's, you know, going to marry his best friend. Mm -hmm. And I know it was the 80s and everything, but they could have just have made him. Gay and then just forget about it and just not You <laughs> could have given another storyline or something, you know, instead of mm-hmm. a stupid fucking love triangle. Right, so you took my you took one of my problems, <laughs> which is fair enough because it is a major problem of this movie, mm-hmm. right?
0: I, I personally think it's the biggest problem in the movie. Yes. I think I think if I had a problem with it watching it as a dopey teen Mm-hmm. And at the time, that was probably my only problem with the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I I think that that is, and plus, it's the entirety of a character storyline. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why it it is rare that I watch a movie that I like, and there is such a massive problem.
1: Yeah, I think this is probably the biggest problem you've really had with a film that we've <laughs> we've covered. <laughs> um, but it's a it's a massive problem that the movie has. It's his whole storyline. Could he not have written something else for him? Could he not, if you're not going to include him in the major storylines of the of mm-hmm. the thing and just give him this crappy one of his own, don't have him in it.
3: Yeah,
1: you don't need that character. Kirby contributes nothing. And then the way that he says "blowtorch anyone" when he's gonna, you know, blowtorch the uh, the bars of Jules' window, it's like mm-hmm. he's a psycho. A man is a psychopath. The way he says that. touch anyone? Yeah, stay the <laughs> fuck away from me. You creepy, <laughs> creepy man. Why is he with this friends group? Although they're all, I mean, they're all in their own little world and Paul didn't notice how, you know, stalkery he is anyway, so. Right. So since since we shared a problem, you can just go on and do your second problem, Jen.
0: God, I have so many. Like, I could list each of the men as their own problem. Like, I could give Andrew McCarthy a pass, although I do have a little bit of a problem with him. Mm -hmm. But, like... Which, by the way, I'll say this in defense of the gay thing, his friends seem like they'd be very supportive of him if he came out, and I like that.
1: Yeah. They would. But, you see, I tried my best not to just list, like, every single character as my (laughs) problem. All of them do... just all of them are just like Jules has her problems um she's obsessed with her um stepmother and she mm-hmm. wants her to die that's weird um Sheedy's character she's she's not as bad she does sleep with Kevin but I feel like I missed something
0: somewhere like I might have been writing notes or something like do they cuz correct me if i'm wrong but the whole thing is that I mean, she has slept with Alec, but she's currently not sleeping with him. Is that. I'm a little confused about their relationship.
1: Yeah, same here, because he's away banging everyone else, apparently. He's he's but- having sex with multiple women, apparently, so I don't understand their relationship.
0: Well, I, I don't get it, and I don't know if I missed something or what, because. I mean, they live together. Yeah. I don't know. That part confused me. Like, and they shared not... a bed. Yeah. And, and people can live together and not have sex. I actually, I have a friend that waited till marriage, but she lived with her husband for a couple of years before they got married. So I know it's possible, but it also, see, like she was talking about when she was talking to Andrew McCarthy about like high school boys and Alec and stuff. She was talking about having sex with people, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So it's like she's not having sex with him for some reason, but she won't marry him. Mm. I don't know. I, I felt the whole... I've always felt that whole thing was really unclear. Yeah. And I don't... I don't get it.
1: And he's um, very controlling.
0: Well, and he's becoming a republic. Which, this is like... This is really interesting watching now. Because I know a lot more than I used to about the 80s and about mm. um, po- the politics of the 80s and the greed of the eighties and that it like there were all these people who are much more liberal and then all of a sudden turned mm-hmm. and it's like, it's horrifying. Cause I'm like if anything break up with him because he's becoming a Republican, like <laughs> she seems so horrified. They all seem so horrified by mm-hmm. it. And yeah. I think, I mean like that kind of, cause politics goes hand in hand with like morals and values. Mm-hmm. And if your morals and values aren't lining up, I don't know. <laughs> I
1: know. See, I, I, I couldn't... I didn't like Alec either. Um, and Judd Nelson did this movie in the same year as The Breakfast Club. And he <laughs> seems like he's 10 years older than that movie. So does Alec. Well, she <laughs> did the it prepare. It's crazy, though. I
0: looked up everyone's ages, okay? First of yeah. all, Rob Lowe's like 20 when he makes this. Right. And everyone... It seemed like everyone was 22 or
3: 24.
0: Mm-hmm. 24 or 25. Actually, I guess it's like 22 or 25. And Jed Nelson, in this same year, he's playing these two characters, like one a high schooler, one just after college, and he's like twenty-five. Ali Sheedy's at least twenty-two. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's the odd movie where like these people have just graduated college, and the actors playing them are for the most part actually the right age.
1: But there's one thing I will give Alec credit for is he doesn't really take it doesn't take that long to convince him that Jules is in trouble and he needs to go and help.
0: Yes, but let's go ahead and do my second problem.
1: You go ahead, Jen.
0: Look, it's great. It's great that Billy goes in and helps her. But also, he tried to kind of rape her.
1: My f- my first problem was Billy is scum.
0: Billy is scum. I think maybe there was something about, and I think this kind of stuff happens in real life too, like there's a comfort to, you're in the dorms, you're all not, not children, but you're not adults. You're in mm. that, like, like college is that weird, um, like kind of like purgatory in between, and so maybe Billy was even a good friend's friend when they're like living this college life, but he seems to have gotten creepier with everyone.
3: Mm-hmm. And the
0: the big thing that bothers me, the thing that bothers me the most in the movie is that scene with him and Jules, and he's trying, she's trying to talk to him, she's mm-hmm. she's going through some stuff, and he will not stop trying. To start something sexual with her. And she keeps saying no. He takes her keys and puts them in his pants. To make her get it. And when they're out of the car. He's like shoving her head towards his crotch. He is attempting to rape her. Mm-hmm. And I don't care how good a friend he is later. He is hot garbage. Plus, earlier he had made fun of Bear Winningham's girdle.
1: Mm-hmm. Wendy.
0: Which, you know, I th- she was pregnant at the time they made this movie. No. And uh, I guess it worked well because she did. Because God forbid they hire someone who's a little heavier just naturally. Mm-hmm. It has to be a thin actress who is pregnant.
1: She doesn't even look that heavy, though, is a thing.
0: She she doesn't, but in comparison to the other women, she mm-hmm. does. Like yeah, okay, it's fair enough. It's that thing where, like, especially now, she would be considered super thin. In compi- well, they also have her in really bulky clothes.
1: Too. Yeah, she's, she has weird baggage on person stuff.
0: She's more mousy than anything, right?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but he makes fun of that. And what really pisses me off is, like, you know, she's clearly in love with him. And he's obsessed with her virginity, which is disgusting. Oh. And at the end of the movie, when she's like, why do you give a shit about my virginity... And he's, like, about to leave town, and he's like, "Will you give? can I ask for a going away, president? President? President. President? <laughs> and she has sex with him! Yeah. Like, and, and I understand this is what she wants, like, she's been in love with him, but also, that's gross. Like, I would be like, no, this is not a gift. <sighs> it,
1: that is gross.
0: And another problem I have with Billy, and this is small, like, if I didn't have so many problems with this movie, I would have just made this one of my problems.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's leaving at the end.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Everyone's sad to see him go, which, like, they shouldn't be because he sucks. Mm -hmm. He has a saxophone over his back. Why doesn't he have a case for his saxophone?
1: Yeah, also, he sold his saxophone.
0: You know one of his friends bought it back for him. But, like, why doesn't he have a case?
1: Yeah, I know. He should have a case for his saxophone. Also, let's not forget this little uh, tidbit that he's actually married and has a baby.
0: Okay, here's where I'll give him credit. And this could be very controversial, but I'm just going to say it. So at the end, his, you know, he's gotten an old, an older, divorced or whatever from his wife, mm-hmm. and she's getting married to this other guy who like is yeah. totally willing to raise this baby. And he's like, I thought about staying and being one of those on the weekend dads, but I don't think that's fair to her. And honestly, I think he made a good decision because can you imagine if he's there, try like trying to be in his daughter's life, but like being real shitty. Like, he's going to be that dad that says he's going to show up and never shows up. And if there's a guy willing to raise his kid, I think he makes the right choice in fucking off. And just like. No, I know.
1: But I mentioned the wife and child because of the whole attempted rape and yeah. stuff.
0: Oh, yeah. and he attempted to rape Jules in his yard where yeah, his right wife and children. The house. Yeah. Oh, God, he
1: sucks. And she comes out the door with holding the baby while Jules is driving away. Yeah. Yeah. And also this also not forget that he was drink driving and almost killed Wendy yep. in the car. And everyone was fucking fine about it. Well <laughs> Judd Nelson wasn't. Judd Nelson only tries to drown him after he finds out that um that he quit his job. That's the only reason Judd Nelson's pissed off with him is because so, he quit his job.
0: I have a theory about this that I just came up with, but I know that it's accurate, okay? <laughs> Okay, Jud Nelson. Because I was like, you know, I'm watching it, and he keep Alec keeps getting in jobs, and he keeps screwing up. And I'm like, as somebody who has helped friends get hired places,
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, and then had them uh, royally embarrass me, I'm like, why would you do that a second time? Like, why would you keep know. doing that? And it's not friendship. It's that Alec likes feeling better than other people. Yeah, and I think he does. keeps helping him, and wa- secretly wants him to screw up. So that he can yell at him and shove his head in a toilet and Mm. feel so superior.
1: Yeah, but then, you know, find another Mm. job for him so he can do it again. Yep. Yeah. Also, Alec tries to kill um, Kevin. Let's just not forget about that. He tries to, you know, he hangs him over the thing and he is actually going to drop him. Fire escape. My first problem is the theme song.
0: (laughs) 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 Okay, can I tell you a thought I had earlier? So I was I was thinking about the movie while I was driving around and putting up uh, signs for candidates in uh, people's houses, which I'm mostly just mentioning because I have to mention in any place where I have a platform that you should go uh, work for your local politicians Mm -hmm. and try to get people to vote. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's a whole other thing. But anyway, I'm driving around and I'm just really like all I was thinking about the entire time I'm driving around was this movie. I was thinking about the song. This oh, I love a saxophone solo. This mm-hmm. so, like I'm thinking about singing Almost Fire and I'm like, do I love this movie or do I just really like the song?
1: <laughs> right. See, I I don't hate the song. Um I'm just sick of the song because <laughs> I listen to I listen to like eighties radio stations and stuff mm-hmm. and they're always playing it and I'm just fed up with it. But my main problem is it's not even about the movie. Yeah. Um, John Parr and David Foster were hired to write a song for the movie, but Parr couldn't come up with lyrics for um to go along with this shit movie. <laughs> so instead they wrote the song about Canadian athlete Rick Hansen, mm-hmm. who was about to go around the world in his wheelchair to raise awareness for spinal cord injuries. Um it was called The Man in Motion mm-hmm. Tour. Um, so instead of writing a song for the movie, Parr wrote it to promote the tour and added the title of the movie to make it sort of fit. So even the guy hired to write the theme song wanted fucking none of this movie's nonsense. Well, here's the thing. He
0: hadn't seen the movie. John Parr had not watched the movie. And the the thing is, he was killing two birds with one stone. The guy, he, who did yeah. you say he worked with?
1: Uh, David Foster. He okay. did the, the, the score.
0: So if I'm remembering correctly from what I read, it was like David Foster was friends with Hansen. and it was like they snuck it in. It's like they, he wanted to write a song about him, but he also mm-hmm. had the job of writing this song. So it's honestly a matter of someone just trying to do two things at once, like trying to kill two birds with yeah. one stone, which I respect the hell out of.
1: No, I do. But the problem still I have is the fact that if John Parr has been hired to write a song for a film and he's supposed to write it with the composer of the movie, maybe he should watch the movie and then get ideas of what to write.
0: Um, But
1: if I mean Joel Schumacher told them
0: what they wanted what he wanted them to touch on in the song. So you don't right. necessarily need, seem, need to watch it. But my understanding is John Parr did see the movie and fucking hated it.
1: So maybe it's <laughs> best that he didn't see it. Well, that's good. That's good. No, I, I fully respect John Parr. I love the <laughs> fact that he just said, fuck it. I'm not even going to bother and just write about something else. I love that. And the only thing about the movie and the song is the fact that St. Emma's Fire is said in the song. That's the only thing. That's it. And he was told not to put the words St. Elmo's Fire in the song, and he did it anyway. But he had to. He had to. Otherwise, it would have be been nothing to do with the, but, the movie. But Schumacher <laughs> didn't want him to put it in the song. That's mm-hmm. the
0: thing. Like, it's, I know. I don't know. It's, it, it's It's crazy. And But I love the song. It is ridiculous how much I love this song. And <laughs> I I just remember a few years ago, Dylan and I were driving around, the songs on the radio, and of course I turned the volume up, and I'm like doing my fist pump while listening to mm-hmm. it because it's the kind of song you got to do a fist pump to. And uh, I was like, you know what? I don't even know who sings this. And I looked it up, and like I don't know John Parr, right? Mm-hmm. And I I do this thing, so, like I really want to know the names of artists I like, um, mm-hmm. And so I just sat there and just said John Parr's name over and over again. And then for every once in a while, like, weeks could pass, but, like, Dylan would ask me, who sings Still was Fire? And I would say the name, and that's how I memorized it. It's right. the only reason I know who, who sang it. Um, but before we started recording, I was reading this um, Entertainment Weekly um, oral history about the movie um, from a few years ago. And... Uh, <laughs> I wish I'd written the quote down. Jed Nelson talked about how the most cringeworthy thing was,
1: like, the stupid video they did for this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that video is... Did you watch it? Yeah, I've seen it loads of times, yeah. It comes on on TV. I watch it on 80s station on TV, and it comes on quite often.
0: I watched it for the first time today. Oh, my God. It's like at the end when he's walking up to each of them, and he'll, like put his hand on their shoulder and they do that cheesy like head nod like what a crazy time or whatever it's supposed to mean i know it is bad and it's so funny reading that oral history and i should have talked about this with billy but i totally forgot i have a couple quotes i want to read Mm -hmm. okay first of all rob Lowe, so sweet so naive doesn't understand this isn't a great movie and one of his quotes this is like the last quote in the whole oral history He says, people love this movie or we wouldn't be talking about it 32 years later. It's very kitschy and it's extremely dated. There's a lot of great stuff to hate watching it. Which is all correct, but he says, but at the end of the day when Billy Hicks gets on the bus and pulls away, you will cry. No! No! If anything, I cheer!
1: Because he's Mm. out of their lives! All I need now is for Kirby to leave or get arrested or something and then that, you know, I think the little friends group will be happier
0: (laughs) okay and so the only other thing i want to talk about with um that is i i want to talk about whether or not something in this movie is uh very racist okay so lo says it was to joel's credit that we included the infamous boogala 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 ha 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 emilio judd and i would go out together carousing and we were always so pissed off about how there would be really rich foreign guys off in the corner stealing the girls we were interested in They would huddle together and talk like boogala, 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 ha ha ha. It was an inside joke moment that made sense only to us. That's super racist, right?
1: (laughs) Your face. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That is really fucking racist. That is awful
0: i'm really glad i read it after i watched the movie because first of all i don't like that thing like i get it's a it's like a and an, i do like that it's like they've been friends a long time and they have inside jokes. Mm-hmm. but something about it like i never found endearing it was just kind of annoying
1: and now i know it's racist i think yeah See, i didn't know the origin of it
2: <laughs> comcast business gives you fast gig speed internet and now, ask how to get fast shipping with Amazon Business Prime Essentials so you'll always be ready to bounce forward. Comcast Business. Offer ends 11-15-20. Restrictions apply. Requires qualifying Comcast Business service. New Amazon Business Prime Essential numbers only. In business, things move quickly. You have to be ready to shift, pivot, adapt, then do it all over again. Comcast Business gives you fast, reliable internet on the nation's largest gig speed network. And now... Ask how to get fast shipping with Amazon Business Prime Essentials. Whoa, that was fast. So no matter what comes next, you can do more than bounce back. You can bounce forward. Offer ends 11-15-20. Restrictions apply. Requires qualifying Comcast Business Service. New Amazon Business Prime Essential members only. What's your third problem?
1: Um.
0: Okay, my third problem, and this was so hard to choose. There were so many yeah. great contenders for my third problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the ending, because I think that I mean, obviously the point of this movie is that you get out of college and you want things to stay the same, but they can't stay the same. Yeah. The world changes and because and your circumstances change and that causes you to change. And um, it's I mean, that's very realistic. And at the end they're you know, they're all talking like they finally accepted the fact that they have changed. They can't keep trying to relive their college years and they decide they're going to get brunch instead of going out drinking or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is like they've matured here, right? And yeah. the message to me, I mean, it, or what I think the message should be more of is mm-hmm. that sometimes you have friends in a certain part of your life and they don't have to continue being your friends. There's a certain point where you have to say goodbye to those friends. And maybe, and it's easier these days, I think, that like you can stay in contact better through social media. And mm-hmm. um, so you can still have them in, in your life in a way where, you actually do have constant updates on them and you stay in contact. But I wish there was more of that in this movie where it's like, we're actually separating. There are two, maybe three characters that I actually like in this movie, um, even though they all clearly make a lot of mistakes. I like Wendy. Right. I like Ali Sheedy. Ally Sheedy's Leslie. Leslie, I'll write that down. <laughs> you have Wendy and Leslie, and I'll maybe give you Kevin, although I don't like the fact that as soon as he and Leslie sleep together, he starts acting kind of like she's his.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, he does get a bit clingy, Like, yeah.
0: Like, her problem is she has these two men that think of her as their property.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I love that she decides to be alone. But what I mm-hmm. want at the end is for Wendy and Leslie to say, you know what? Let's go off together into the sunset. We will be friends and let's leave everyone behind, <laughs> mm-hmm. because I don't think any of those people are good for them. I I think all those other people are terrible. I think Kevin shouldn't be in their life because he needs to move away from Leslie, or else he's going to end mm-hmm. up like Kirby.
1: Yeah, yes. I
0: I my my problem is just the ending. Like I want them to learn that they don't actually need to be friends, mm-hmm. with and that's that's my problem. <laughs> I don't think the ending is terrible. But I think that like that's the lesson. If anything, that's the lesson I think most people need to learn at that point in their lives anyway. Mm. So uh it's just I want I want Wendy and Leslie to run off together and get an apartment together and be each other's rocks.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Because they were good friends in the mm-hmm. movie, but my well, I have problem with the end, and I have is um that Billy doesn't get hit by a bus. <laughs> He goes on one and gets <laughs> driven away. That's my problem with the ending. Yeah, they're mostly all terrible.
0: More than anything we've ever watched, I could like I could do like a ten parter. Yeah. On this movie, <laughs> like there, there was um, a Universal executive passed on this, and once again, I wish I'd written the quote down, um, mm. but he said that these were like seven of the like worst people he'd ever seen on paper. And Joel Schumacher, of course, is, you know, when he talked about it years later, was like, and then he went and made Howard the Duck. Like, that's a lesson. But, like, I mean, people shouldn't like, I shouldn't like this movie. Because these people are terrible. Yeah, and I don't know why I like it. Especially when I like a masterpiece like Heather's. Like, when, yeah. I, when I think about 80s movies, this is in my top and I don't know
1: why. Right, okay, so let's talk about nostalgia then. Do you think it's maybe that's that's, no, that's a nostalgic thing you've got going there?
3: I mean... Because
1: I liked this movie when I was younger and I fucking hate it now, so... A few
0: years uh, ago I might have said it was completely nostalgia, but I don't really do that so much anymore. Like, right, not to this degree. I th- Okay, but then my other question is... What do you like about it? Um, I like, it's like the things I hate about it are also some of the things I like about it. I like, (laughs) I like, I like the messiness of it. I like, okay. So think about the breakfast club and I like the breakfast club. Breakfast club's fine. Um, I Mm think, I think it's one of the better, if not the best, well, I don't think it's the best, but one of the better of John Hughes' teen films. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's such a fantasy, right? Like, I don't think the movie itself is such a fantasy. Like, I think that if you get that many, that many teens together that are like all so different from each other, you get them in a room together, like lock them in a room together. Yeah. they some interesting things would probably happen um, in a world where they don't have smartphones where they can ignore each other. Um, mm-hmm. But it also has that fantasy of like, Oh, the weird girl gets a makeover and you know, the rebel actually gets that popular girl and it's, yeah, it's. And then so many people, I mean, the good thing about breakfast club is people have their theories about what happens at the end. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to go on about this too much because I know we'll do it someday, but um, we're
1: going to do it someday. Yeah. People
0: have their theories about what happens at the end, but so many people love the idea that they go to school on Monday and they're friends, right. They get Mm -hmm. along. And I, that kind of shit drives me crazy. Like, I don't, you know, like, 16 Candles, we're supposed to, like, really be rooting for her to get Jake, and, you know, we're supposed to love these happy endings, and this movie doesn't have a happy ending. There are no happy endings in this, except that maybe it's, like, they, they get rid of, like, their, one of their more, more toxic, toxic friends, but Alec is still there, which I think Alex mm-hmm. Alec is way worse than Billy, overall. Um, I Ooh, I think the the, the rape... Okay. Okay. There's that, um, which makes it harder. But I think, yes. like, if, if you think about Billy with Jules, like, the way he is with her in that scene where she's in the, where she's trying to freeze herself to death, I think that Billy does have some heart.
1: And I, I, he is a bad person. I think that... Or, that, or, he's just trying to save face because he tried to rape her the night before.
0: I don't think he thinks of it that way, though. I don't. I don't think he's aware that he tried to rape her. I think if you asked him about it, he would be like, "No." And um, there are lots of people who rape. women. And you think you think Alec is washed? No, no. Listen. <laughs> let let me let me finish my argument.
1: Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Carry on. <laughs>
0: Here's my thing. I think Billy, at his core, has a little bit of heart. I think he does. Like, I honestly think he does care about Wendy. He doesn't know how to show it. He is a broken person, mm-hmm. but I think he has some heart. I honestly think Alec is one hundred percent heartless.
1: See, I don't, I don't like Alec. So, but so why am I defending Alec? But it's just he does, he does go to help Jules, and he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to because have he can to. just. No, know, but he can just say to um. He can just say to uh, Leslie, look, I don't care. You know, just go out, get out of my office. I'm going back to work. He doesn't have to go there, but he does. So I think he's got a tiny little bit of a heart. Maybe, you know, the size of a Grinch heart. Um, but I think it's there. But I <sighs> can't, can't go over the rape. I just can't go over the attempted rape, Jen. I'm sorry. I can't.
0: I'm not I'm And I'm not saying I'm over it. I'm just saying... <laughs> I think, because, well, okay, first of all, yes, we see Billy try to rape Jules. In my heart, in my soul, I truly believe Alec has raped someone.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, but if we had seen that, wait like, actual proof of that, <laughs> then yeah, I would agree with you, but... I don't know. Why don't we just say that they're all fucking terrible?
0: They are, they are. Well, once again, (laughs) I think Wendy and Leslie are fine, especially Wendy, because she's a social worker. Yeah. And she's also a social worker who, like, honestly, it's hard to imagine a world where you want to be a social worker, and you have a wealthy family, and you don't give in a little (laughs) to the Mm -hmm. help, because social workers make no money. But, Although her dad is trying to control her with the money and stuff, but she goes out on her own, which is really scary. Um, no, Wendy's great. So Wendy's great. And then Leslie, I think is just someone who she fell in love with a guy who has just changed so much. Like mm-hmm. I, I truly believe that when she met Alec, that he was a l- much better person. And um, he has gotten a taste of, of like, he sees money, he sees power working in politics He's seen that he can get more money and power on the Republican side. And I think, and like, honestly, just the way he talks about women and the way he is. And if I base it just on real experiences, like people I've known, I'm telling you, Alex, Alex raped someone.
1: I promise you. No, No, that's fine. I, I, yeah, okay.
0: I, I mean, and I, I don't, look, I don't like saying this, and I don't like defending the rapist, right? Like, it's, it's a reason why, as I get older, it gets harder and harder to be Team Spike, okay? Yeah. Even if he is a vampire. (laughs) Um, Which does
3: excuse you you a little.
1: Uh, Well, I do think, I do think the Spike thing and Buffy, where he attempts to rape um, Buffy, he doesn't have a soul. Mm-hmm. He is still an evil yeah. being inside. He's still a demon inside. And he does go out of his way to go and regain his soul after it because he knows that he did the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. So that's how I defend Spike. But I can't, I can't defend Billy. I
0: The only reason I can defend Billy and I'm not really defending him so much as saying no, I no. think Alec at his like core is more evil in general. It's right. I mean, the unfortunate thing about this world, and especially about being a woman, because women tend to know more, they tend to be more aware of how many rapists they know (laughs) than than men because women talk to other women. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, like, I mean, I, I had to face the fact years ago that. And this is the thing a lot of people aren't willing to face, which is why so many people get away with the shit they get away with, is that mm-hmm. there are people out there that do good things, that have good intentions in certain parts of their lives, and they are rapists. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? Ted Bundy killed a lot of women, but even he worked at, like, a suicide hotline. Okay? Like, I'm, I am not saying these people are good because of this thing they did but I am saying it is possible for someone to do evil things and somewhere have good. I mean, sometimes a lot of times it is manipulative, right? Like Harvey Weinstein donating the, the money he did to the causes he did. That is Mm -hmm. someone being manipulative. And I don't doubt that he cared at least a little about some of them, but Mm -hmm. he was using his money as a cover, like donating this money as a cover. But there are people that can do good things while they are evil. I think Billy is ki- like, there are areas in which he can. Well, I maybe, I don't know, but maybe he's being manipulative even when he's being a good friend.
1: I don't know. See, I think he is. I don't know. You told me earlier on that, um, that Rob Lowe got a Razzie for this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm surprised they didn't give it to the whole <laughs> cast, actually. Um, but, see, I don't think Rob Lowe's the worst in this. I I I've never actually thought Judd Nelson was a strong performer. Mm. So I don't think Judd Nelson's really, you know, great at acting in this. Mm-hmm. Uh so I'll defend Rob Lowe in that way. Um that uh, I don't think he's terrible in this. Um do you remember any other Razzies? Did it win more? I have
0: no idea all I know is I read that Rob Lowe won which like it's so sad because in reading about it it's like he campaigned so hard for this role. They were mm-hmm. they were offering it to other people. They didn't seem like they were going to go with him and he was like dead set on playing this character. And mm-hmm. it's it's so crazy to me. Like I don't know, I don't necessarily think he deserved a Razzie for it. Mm -hmm. but uh god this character isn't isn't good maybe it's because alec maybe it's because alec seems to be aware it's i think he knows he's an asshole and he continues to be an asshole i think there's something there there's something to me about someone who knows they're doing bad things and that they're a bad
1: person and continues so he would be the only one then, because Billy doesn't know he's a rapist, Kirby doesn't know he's a stalker, yeah. Kevin doesn't know that he's been clingy. Mm-hmm. Um, after he sleeps with Leslie, yeah. So I I Alex must out. be Alex. Alex the mastermind. Yeah. Alex the uh, the bond villain.
0: Like okay, <laughs> and once again, I know I'm putting. I'm putting my own things onto these characters. Yeah. I think that if these people, which this is something we should all be doing and we don't do, I know I haven't done it. People should be taking their friends who are assholes, who are like active life ruiners and sit them down and tell them. Right. So I think that if people sit Billy down and tell him you're a life ruiner or tell Kirby that they might actually think about it. They might actually feel bad about it they might try to change there might be something in them that doesn't like what they're hearing about themselves right my belief is if you sit alec down and tell him he's a life ruiner, tell him he's a bad person he's gonna be like yeah fuck you all
1: yeah but the problem is they won't they wouldn't do that anyway because they're all enablers that <laughs> every single one of them enable each other they're all terrible apart you know Leslie even does it to the extent at the beginning with Alec, because she's letting everything slide with Alec. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's only like about an hour in when she sleeps with Kevin at all, the shit hits the fan. Mm-hmm. Right, so what is your positive?
0: I was talking to Dylan about it earlier, and he was talking about how it's a bad movie. And I don't know why I keep having these conversations with him, because he just never agrees with me about that and i don't need him to agree with me i just need you to be like okay i see that <laughs> and then let me go <laughs> but i mm-hmm. tend to grade things on multiple scales in the grand scheme of yeah, in the okay. grand scheme of things this is not a good movie
1: no it's not if
0: you read things that the recently deceased uh joel schumacher has to say about this movie um, yeah. and what a lot of the actors had to say and do have to say about this movie This movie was supposed to be a movie about people getting out of college, like in that weird space where they're going into adulthood, but clinging on to their college years and having a messy time and having messy relationships. When you look at what this movie is supposed to be, what they set out for it to be, it is a good movie. It is a good movie to me in the sense that they made exactly what they wanted to make. And like the char- <laughs> like the characters or not, I think this movie accomplishes its goals. I don't think we're expected to hate them as much as we do.
1: So it does fail then.
0: It's still the the things that Joel Schumacher seems to want me to get from this movie. I get from this movie, and right. I and it 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 was a movie that people were not making movies about this age group and this experience at the time. And
1: yeah, it was all teen. movies. Yeah, and
0: I think it is pretty accurate to that time of your life. Like people desperately clinging on to those college years and those college friends when they need to move on, get some new friends that they have more in common with than just memories.
3: Mm-hmm. And,
0: um, I, and I think that's why I like the movie is because it is about messy, unlikable people, you know, in a John Hughes world where we're seeing these fantasies about, people ha- getting the guy they want or, you know, having that perfect day skipping school or, you know, whatever. I like the messiness and the darkness of the mm-hmm. of reality.
1: I'd just like to point out to the listeners that for the first time Jen and I are I'm recording this um, with video mm-hmm. um, so Jen can just see that I'm not convinced face that I currently have. <laughs> <laughs> Um, look, I messed up man.
0: So- but I also I have a great respect <laughs> even with movies that I think are bad or even movies I don't like. I have a great respect for anything that is slightly realistic because a lot of what we wa- like look. I love truth about cats and dogs.
1: Truth mm. about cats and dogs is much bullshit. It yeah,
0: is okay. 100% bullshit.
1: But the truth about cats and dogs is um, enjoyable.
0: My thing is, I sometimes I enjoy watching something where I'm not necessarily having fun the whole time. But if
1: you, oh jeez, <laughs>
0: what do you hate yourself I, that much? Okay, <laughs> let me tell you. Let me give you an, an anecdote about something I did last night so that you can understand how much I hate myself. <laughs> Dylan and I, like right now, with the pandemic and everything being trash, uh, I, I mm. like re-watching things, which I haven't done as much in recent years. Instead of watching, yeah, there's so much content, there's plenty of new stuff for us to watch, we're just re-watching old stuff. It's comforting. So we finished Modern Family last night and started it on Chuck. So here's where I hate myself. Watching Chuck, Adam Baldwin pops up on screen, <laughs> and I know what I am about to do is wrong but I'm like, you know what, let's go peep at his Twitter. So I spent a good five or ten minutes looking at Adam
1: Baldwin. No, you shouldn't do that. Not when you're watching Chuck. Chuck's such a joy. <laughs> why would you want to ruin it?
0: Because I hate myself. That's why I enjoy movies like this. I enjoy messiness, and I apparently enjoy torturing myself, because Adam Baldwin's
1: a piece I of crap. I think He has his <laughs>
0: So that tells you a little bit about me and about how I... I don't know. For some reason, every once in a while, I like something like this. But I will give you one reason why this is... One area in which this is a good movie and I don't think you can argue with me about this. Okay. This movie is so fun because it is a fantastic... And Rob Lowe is right about this. It is a great hate watch.
3: Mm,
1: And
0: sometimes there is a thrill. In a good hate watch.
1: Yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough, okay, I'll give you that. And okay, I, that I like watch.
0: this movie, but I honestly, there's, there's something I enjoy wa- about watching it and getting so angry. And rolling my eyes so much. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of it might have to do with the fact that in a world where I'm angry every day about people not wearing masks, where I'm angry about people going out and living their lives as though there's nothing going on, where I get angry about the fact that um, we are probably about to get a new new Supreme Court justice that is straight out of Handmaid's Tale. It is fun to get angry about something so
1: stupid. Yeah, okay. All right. I'll give you that. I'm, I'm messy, just like this movie. Right. So my positive as the end credits because it means the movie is over and I don't have to put up with these horrible human <laughs> beings ever again until the next time I see the music video on TV. <laughs> so, yeah. That. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know why I, I like such bad things. It... See, I don't understand it either because I used to like this film. I used to like this film when I was an idiot 13-year-old and didn't understand that Kirby was a creepy stalker. And that Billy attempted rape. I didn't get that back then. I was an idiot, you know? But now that I'm 43 years old and I'm watching it and I'm like, this is all wrong. This, And this isn't even how you're supposed to make a movie. It's There's nothing really there. There's no real plot. There's no real... You know, it's just like a series of things happen. Mm -hmm. It's just... There's nothing really there to grab onto. But there is one good shot... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I do like the shot when Jules is sitting cradling herself yeah. and all the curtains are blowing. That's iconic. That is a beautiful shot and that is the best thing in the entire movie of I don't know, maybe
0: it is nostalgia. Maybe it is like a combination of the nostalgia and like the song thing, right? Like I love the song. I love the cheesy score. I love the bulky sweaters. I love, I love the aesthetic of the 80s. um, Like that kind of 80s where it's like all sweaters and trench coats and scarves and big hair and, and, you know, lots of earth tones and and the the idea that maybe this is what life is like, right? That you go to college mm. and you make these friends and then you go out into the real world where now it's like, if you made this movie now, half of it would be people like crying about their student loan bills. right like it's this was the boomers dream world of like what the experience we should all have like this is I think what boomers think things are like now where Mm. it's like no you're moving back in with your parents (laughs) and you're having a much smaller life with a lot more debt plus these are these are rich entitled people they went to Georgetown yeah you know what I mean? Like, look at the places they're living.
1: Yeah. I'm going to take great pleasure in saying this next but That's all we <laughs> have time for. <laughs> um, if you like to follow the podcast, uh, it's just my other podcast, Twitter, it's at Drop the Pipe Pod. You can go to uk and contact it. Shiftybench.co.uk is where you can send us feedback. Tell us. Um, Defend defend Kirby. There you go. <laughs> Send us emails to defend Kirby. That awful, terrible human being Kirby. Um, uh, where can the listeners find you on internet, Jen? They can
0: find me at, at Pilot Inspectors on Twitter, which I really feel like maybe I should be doing more rants there because I clearly have a lot of opinions. <laughs> um, and and yeah. maybe I could find some people there who uh, have as many strong opinions about St. Animal's Fire as me.
1: Alright, so, what you want to do is you want to go onto Twitter and see if anyone is on your side and thinks St. Elmo's Fire is a good film. No, I, a good I'll film, never right. say
0: it's a good film.
1: <laughs> no, it's not. You know, that, in fairness, you did not say it's a good film. Um, but I, But I think who, it accomplishes that,
0: what it set out to accomplish.
1: Yes, okay, I disagree. <laughs> but, <laughs> if it set out to accomplish um, pissing off a 43-year-old Scottish guy (laughs) in 2020 so much that he really just wants to rip the TV (laughs) off the wall, then yeah, it set out to complete, you know, it did it. Yay!
0: Tweet me at at pilot inspectors, I need it more now than I ever have before, because I genuinely want to know people's opinions. I'm sorry I'm such a Pollyanna. Like, I like dark things, but I'm ultimately, like, if you listen to me talk about Billy, I am too much of a Pollyanna for this world. Um... Mm. And uh, listen to my Party of Five podcast, Closer to Free, where I am also probably too forgiving.
1: I, I would take Party of Five over this any day. <laughs> I would take a kick in the testicles over this wow. any day. This is <laughs> awful. <laughs> so thank you all for listening. Um. Oh, uh, next, next time will be start of our new podcast Fringe Division which is Martin and I's um, Fringe Rewatch podcast. Jen and I will be back towards the end of October with uh, Cherry Falls from 2000. That's the next one we're doing so if you'd like to watch Cherry Falls um, for our Halloween spooktacular then please do um, yeah so thank you all for listening and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye Bye
2: Comcast Business gets you fast, gig-speed internet. And now, ask how to get fast shipping with Amazon Business Prime Essentials so you'll always be ready to bounce forward. Comcast Business. Offer ends 11-15-20. Restrictions apply. Requires qualifying Comcast Business service. New Amazon Business Prime Essential numbers only. In business, things move quickly. You have to be ready to shift, pivot, adapt, then do it all over again. Comcast Business gives you fast, reliable internet on the nation's largest gig-speed network. And now... Ask how to get fast shipping with Amazon Business Prime Essentials. Whoa, that was fast. So no matter what comes next, you can do more than bounce back. You can bounce forward. Offer ends 11-15-20. Restrictions apply. Requires qualifying Comcast Business Service. New Amazon Business Prime Essential members only.